Jay and Silent Bob Reboot is ready to beam directly onto your TV, desktop, or mobile through the streaming service of your choice. iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and more. Or if you're all about adding a hard copy to your collection, grab it on Blu-ray or DVD. Better yet, snag a signed copy by Kev from jayandsilentbob.com. Rent or own Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Available now. It's time to babble the fuck on. It's Hollywood Babylon. With your hosts, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. It's Monday morning in Hollywood, so let's babble the fuck on. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. Oh my God. Welcome to the... Tell them what it is, Ralph. It's the social distancing edition of Hollywood Babylon. I am sitting so far away from Ralph, a, d- a decent four foot. Yeah. They say um, six. You're supposed to do six. Well, I, I, fuck them. We always bend the rules in our favor and stuff. <laughs> we got always try to find a little bit for ourselves. I'm from Jersey. He's from fucking Philly. We're always looking for a little taste. Just a little wet our beaks a little bit. A little that's bit. it. Just, a little bit. That's all. If that fell off the truck, that's cool. Yeah, like, that's fucking, good for everything. We just need a little, just an edge, just to get ahead a little bit. So- we are uh, social, socially distanced from one another, but more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, we are socially distanced from you. You ain't going to get the coronavirus from us. No. Um, best piece of advice before we jump into all the shenanigans, if you're listening to this right now, go wash your hands. Yes. Wash your hands! We'll wait. Yeah, go man. Ahead. In we'll silence. <laughs> but we'll sing happy birthday twice to ourselves. That's quietly. right. Um, we were supposed to be doing shows at the end of the month. I've been on the road with uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow Tour. Thank the fucking good Lord above. Thanks, Mod, if you will, that that is over before all of a sudden we've been shuttered into our house. That would have been a problem. Oh, that, I mean, I, look, I'm not like underplaying how, how horrible pandemic is, but, you know, all these businesses getting hit and shit like that. Mine would have been hit just as hard if yeah. I still had to go out and tour. So mercifully, that tour was over. And thank Christ, people came out for it, man. And every night of that tour, I saw you and I saw people fucking, like, react to you, respond to you. Rounds of applause every time you hit the screen. It was fucking beautiful. Particularly strongest every place we've ever been. So I could always gauge, like, you know, I, I we do road shows a lot. I do road shows with Babylon. I do them with Jay and stuff. I've done stand up by myself and whatnot. But every time, you know, we were in 65 cities, every time, uh, 67, if you count the European side, like, cause I went to London. Too. Right. Um, every time I, I could gauge whether Babylon had been there or not by how deafening the applause got. <laughs> there was always applause because there's always Babylon people in the audience. There's always like the podcast people in the audience. That's primarily how we sold our tickets, right? So naturally there's always like, hey, it's fucking him. But the cities where we've ever, I mean, fucking Philly, fuck, dude, you could have run for mayor <laughs> um, based on your applause level alone and shit like that. So it was, it was a wonderful reminder throughout the entire tour of like, oh, I've got this other life waiting for me uh, back at home. And yes. what I'm working on right now is um since we've got time and we're trapped in the house and stuff nothing but um i'm going back through all the jane silent bob reboot footage and just putting together like the root cut cut scene so what i'm building right now is if you saw jane silent bob reboot you saw ralph played uh the great um ted underhill ted underhill which of course is a big fletch shout out right um 
you know, he was like, uh, fine, I'll read you my, I'll read my credit card number out loud to show you blah, blah, blah. And then he starts reading, he reads three numbers. And then we cut to Fred Armisen pulling up and stuff. We shot like a whole other bit where Ralph finishes and I'm going to build it. Ralph finishes the number. And then we kept adding stuff where we never got to the security questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There were a great number of security questions and that were also being asked out. to me over the phone. <laughs> my so mother's I, name. <laughs> so I could prove my identity. Um, we And it was always a series of Jay going like, yeah, but we don't have a security code. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Ralph would fucking throw but it But we'll out. never guess his first pet's name. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put that together. And here's my question to you. Yes. Do you want it for Ralph Report Patreon or do you want it? Ooh. I could, or I to go on that. to my world. Is it an exclusive for you to uh, say, hey, That people, would be a nice dangle. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, come in and watch this. That would be a great special offer. If you sign up now, you get to see uh, the remainder of Ralph's footage from Jay and, and Silent Bob Reboot. Done that would be done. a tremendous help. So that's where it's going. To encourage people to uh, sign up for the Ralph Report. Number one, if you're sitting here listening to fucking Babylon, why aren't you a Ralph Report listener? Number two, now you've got incentive, man. Fucking Ralph in about uh, two weeks or whatever, maybe less, going to have that get fucking those. scene. Look at those Kevin Smith junkies. Where do you taste? Where do you ex put your exclusive content? Uh, Patreon is a great service. You can put up any kind of content that you create. You can do visuals. You can do video. You can do audio. You can do text. And the only way to access it is if you're a is if you are a, a general in the army. Yeah, that's how, that's how. And I can choose who gets what, and I can break it down into uh, subscription levels and things like that so it's a real good service fucking hey so i'll include i will also i'll include like all the fucking um every, i'll include everything i'll build the scene and then i'll do the outtakes and shit like that, that. would be a, a blessing sir let's do it once man. again i will ride the back of kevin smith to the promised land uh ralph reboots in a very special <laughs> oh ralph reboot ralph report uh ralph report patreon exclusive magic all right i'm done good night everybody um i so the road was wonderful to me but, yes uh, i haven't seen you in months oh it was great i said it every night i've said it many places but it, it was like going to a church every single night where i was both the priest and jesus at the same time <laughs> just being celebrated and celebrant and oh it was lovely and the audiences were so fucking great it made me go like this is how i want to like this is how i want to do film like you know i saw some cats were like you know if like there was an article that forbes put out the other day that was I just saw like, that you're breaking records in uh, single screen engagements they and it, it, and it was it was nice but like there were a bunch of people that were like this movie was out and it was like, yeah, but not the way that normal movies are out. Like we didn't want to spend fucking 10 to $20 million in marketing to hope that you show up at the theater. We went this other way where I'm like, all right, we're going to book 65 city tour and I'll be there with every screening of the mm -hmm. movie and stuff. So instead of like coming to see like uh Jane Silent Bob get old live, it's like they came to see Jane Silent Bob reboot roadshow tour. So they got an intro, a movie, and then like an hour Q and a afterwards and stuff. So I love that model. And right now that model's mine. And I see articles where people write, like at the end of that article, they were like, this is like smart and a possible way forward for, you know, fucking theatrical distribution for exhibition because it's that window is 
closing to a lot of movies unless you're a Marvel movie or unless you're like, you know, fucking Harry Potter or Star Wars. Like, event movies are what draw people to the theaters. And it's tougher and tougher to for an indie film to find some space. Ain't a bad thing because, like, now, you know, you go to any number of streamers and there's places for the work to be seen. But as movie makers, we all dream about watching our movie in a movie theater. I found this little way where I can do that, where it's like I don't have to fucking gamble Never mind whatever you pay to make the movie. This ridiculous marketing cost on top of it to be like, I hope fuckers show up and mm-hmm. stuff. And all the money we made was pure fucking profit because we didn't have to advertise or anything. But that's kind of specific to you, too, because you have a <coughs> relationship with your audience that not a lot of filmmakers share. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may know a filmmaker's work, but they don't know the filmmaker per but se. So the there's, a, there's a, person, with that a personal movie, relationship. That right? helped, definitely. And for years, I've been sitting there with the audience, hanging out with them, doing shows, interacting. Right. But I feel like there are a lot of people. Edgar Wright could pull this off. Anybody sure, yeah. who's got like an audience, like a cult audience, or not just a cult audience, but like a fucking follow. I mean, let's let's be honest. If Chris Nolan was like, I'm going to take you know Tenet out on 65 City Tour, and we're going to play it in fucking like we play big theaters, like 1500. I think the biggest theater I was 2000 seater. Wow. Um, he could take a movie like that and do. You know, fucking Radio City Music Hall, fucking Madison Square Garden or something like that. Right. But, you know, Warner Brothers is like, we're in the business of fucking making crazy yeah. money all we're gonna, at once. We're going to carpet bomb this film. We're not We're not looking for a, uh, a strategic strike. We, we live in the future, not in the past. Because what I'm doing is not like, this is ingenious. This is what they used to do. Used to be calling four walling back in the day, or even with like the big ass fucking movies like Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind wasn't like you know, hey man, I live in Washington. I'm giving you a phone call in New York. Did you just go see Gone with the Wind at the two o'clock matinee? That shit did not exist. It's like, hi, I'm in New York. I watched Gone with the Wind. It's here for a few months, man, because this is it. This yeah. is the only print, and this is where it goes. Next, it's going to Chicago and shit like that. Right. So it's not even like this is ingenious. I'm just like I went backwards. I often thought about on the road. How, like, I'm reverse Tyler Perry at this point. Tyler Perry, <laughs> he went out and he built, like, his audience yeah. with live shows. Right. He used to do little plays for people. All the time. And and packed houses and had a circuit. And then one day he was like, you know, fuck, I could, it's a lot more effective, you know, reaching way more people with movies. And so the Medea movies happen. And then he's built, like, he's got a fucking studio out in Georgia. His own, like, goddamn studio and stuff. I'm the guy who's like, I I think Tyler Perry's life looked more interesting to me when <laughs> <laughs> when he was building. Like I just went backwards. I started with like, you know, working for like a studio some to some degree and now I'm content to like work the circuit. Are like, you saying we're going to do Clerks 3 as a play? <laughs> we're just going to be on stage traveling oh my with God. a show. You're close. Across I, America. You're so close. I, I, for, for this tour, though, by the end of the tour, midway through the tour, I was like, I know exactly what I want to do with Clerks 3. Number one, I want to pay for it. I want anybody else's money. I'm going to fucking, like, I'll refinance this house and stuff. You want to talk about keeping a responsible budget when every penny's coming out of your pocket? <laughs> I'll be like, what did that paper cost? I got, I'll got. i bring paper from home. You don't need to buy paper Put that for bagel office. down. Yeah, that's, you know, you need all of it. That's an end of the day bagel. Um, I want to finance it myself, and then I want to go out on tour and tour it for a year. Because we did four months, and I was like, oh, shit, I could have kept going. Mm. I mean, thankfully, right now, I wasn't on tour because... That, and that's the thing. You can't foresee something like a pandemic or right. something. But barring a pandemic, I could live on the fucking 
road for a year with the movie and go everywhere yeah. and i could build a smarter schedule where it's like we'd go three weeks on one week off so you know i'm always going home at a certain point mm-hmm. or, or at least having like a little time off and stuff um i could do that for a year and no bullshit like let's say we made clerks three for like four million that's my new fucking dream uh believe me i'm like can we make it for a million but you know i realize the costs are whatever the costs are and stuff because we're grown-ups now yeah um you know you can't make a movie in new jersey which is the new york council of of unions and stuff and and do it on the cheap you gotta everyone's gotta get paid the right. right way and stuff so let's say you know in a world where jay and silent bob reboot was a 10 million dollar movie but after a 20 percent rebate you know shooting in louisiana is an eight million dollar movie we got ourselves if we keep this clerks is all one place all takes place a quick stop so you're not moving around whereas reboot we were moving around every damn day you're in one locked location keep that to four million and now i'm sitting here going maybe even three but let's just say four just to be careful um i could tour that for a year and make 10 million dollars and that would mean a nice six million dollar profit yes i don't know any other world in which i will ever earn six million dollars in one year let alone 10 ever again you know what i'm saying yes so for me that's like you know because the sacrifice is you're on the road like you're just what we did we're doing it three times right but the reward is financially fucking lucrative and that's real money that's not like now we got to pay these people back and 50 percent has to go to the exhibitors and stuff that's that's real like that's that's i mean i that's i hate to borrow i, do, I love to borrow from uncut gems that's how i win you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's I'm never nobody's ever gonna pay me six million dollars to do anything in this lifetime. Right. But if I fucking lump it and like I'm forewalling it, I'm carrying my fuck schlep my heart out to the fan base, which by the way is no schlep, it's no work. Every night I got pleasure. treated like a fucking god and right. stuff. I can't think of a better way to live. Can't think of a better way to spend like my fifties. You know what I'm saying? Like so if I make a movie, that's how I'm taking it out. Like, you know, I don't believe me, Jordan fight me already. Like, you are not living on the road for a year. I was like, watch me. But, you know, it'll probably be some tailored version of that dream. But it's possible. Like, I know now what's possible. And then we've perfected this touring thing for ourselves, not for the world, but like started with Red State and shit. And then the next time we did it was with the groovy movie, Mm cartoon movie. And this time it was even more streamlined. And then we got it down to like, it was an expensive as fuck, bro. The travel part of it was nothing. It was me, Josh, and Lit, Dr. Josh Roush, our, our man in the in the fucking booth yeah. at, at Babylon. Uh, and his wife, Liv, and then Jay was with me for the first half of the tour. And then afterwards, it was just me and Josh and Liv in an SUV driving the fuck around. Like, you can't get more punk rock, man. I'm 49 and we were just driving around. I, you know, I was wearing this fucking hat and fucking, <laughs> it, it was beautiful. Like I felt way younger than I should have. And then every night we went and put on a show, you know, we just didn't have instruments. We had the movie instead. Right. It's bliss. So I could live like that for the rest of my life. And, you know, I understand like making movies, the old fashioned way and carpet bombing the marketplace. And like, yeah, that's the, that's the, the dream for others. I, I've, I found my place and I really fucking like it. And, you know, some people are like, oh, he's not ambitious anymore. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I was ever ambitious, to be honest with you. Like that was somebody else's fucking money playing the game that way. You know, I fell into a studio system and I ain't bitching about it. It was wonderful to see how it all operates and stuff. But I was more prepared for this life. Like when I was making clerks, I thought I was going to four wall that shit. So 
to take clerks three hours on the road to, hey, pay for it all myself, like I did the first time. And even the first time was on credit cards. This time literally would be me, like my liquidity or whatever. If I fucking put the house up, that's my money that I'm putting into it and right. stuff. Not somebody else's like borrowed money or whatever. Fuck. And then taking that movie out the way I intended to take out clerks in the first place. That is punk rock as fuck, bro. And that to me is more important than anything else in this world is like doing things with the work that like, you know, maybe not everyone ever wants to do, but nobody else done first. Like I like taking weird first steps and like forging my own road. And some people are like, that looks stupid. But I'm like, yeah, maybe it, you could be right in the moment. I bet you it does look stupid, but like, let's step back in 10 years and see what the path looked like. You also have to play it where it lays in life sometimes. Fuck you know? yes. You got to say, all right, what are my options? I can bust my ass to try to get Universal to pay me X number of dollars to direct a Jurassic film. Or I got this opportunity now that's for real that I know and I like. I mean, that just is, makes sense in life, let alone business. And let's be honest, man. Like, I ain't equipped to tell you a Jurassic story, but I could tell you the fuck out of a fucking Kevin Smith movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they got plenty of talented people. They got Colin Trevorrow to go make those, like, fucking dinosaur movies. And, and I've never once in my life been like, I want to make one of those movies. You know, what drew me into this was slacker. People yeah. sitting there talking to each other. So I I had a fucking blast. That all being said. Oh, they just put that on hiatus, that Jurassic movie, because of the coronavirus. By what? Way. They just put it on hiatus, the production. They stopped production on uh, Jurassic I Kingdom. I guess that's going to start happening a lot more. It already has, yeah. I mean, well, the first one. Nobody's stopping first... Clerks 3, man. It's only six people in a room. That's true. You're not breaking any rules. And as long as we're socially distanced <laughs> from one another, right. six feet apart, you know, if Dante and Randall can't stand right next to each other at the counter <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of single here single there but you get the same idea there's a lot of swish pans and to be honest with you it's a very simple shot to green screen that's so true i could shoot brian first shoot jeff second marry them together and they're such good performers you'll think they were in the same fucking frame magic um the uh we might as well jump into the fucking news of it all yeah enough about me unless do you want to catch up on what you've been doing where you've been no i mean i've, I've been waiting for <laughs> no. you to come home <laughs> Um, it's been, so funny because people who are listening to this are the same people who've been saying, "When's Hollywood Babylon coming back?" And I was like, "Well, if you know the man, you know he's out on the road. We can't do it when we're not in the same city." So uh, thanks to everybody for being patient and waiting for the boys are back. To, I wanted uh, it as much as they did. Of course, we we all did. That's why I felt like saying, "You know, we're not we're not holding it back from you. It's not we're not begrudging you uh, a show. We're dying to do it. We just got to wait for the man to return." So I'm just happy you're uh, off the road. I'm so delighted to uh, for that re respect uh, to be done. I was sad to see the tour end, but I'm like it's not like I'm not going to see an audience again. It's just no. the next time I see the audience, I will have to change my my um pattern. Yeah. Like that was the other fucking thing. You go on tour like you know, you got 19 things that you say that work everywhere yep. and you fall into like, you know, here's my, my intro was fucking locked in stone and like changed based on where we were minimally, but like insert city here. Oh, it was <laughs> bliss. And you know, I, as much as I love it and it's a nice vacation, Babylon keeps a motherfucker sharp. You know what I'm saying? Because well, it is new every week. Yeah. And yeah. And you can't, and, and how Babylon is like. Like, I don't, you know, I'll be able to reach into a back pocket and pull out an old Kev story if it's appropriate here or there, but it's sink or swim. Like, it's it's either I'm staring at Ralph going like, wow, he's good, um, or I got to fucking tread water and swim and try to be as funny. And um, often more. Never. Yes, yes. You have uh, magical moments during that show. I love watching you do that for that reason, which is watching your mind 
turn and then have you come up with something that just crushes it is a pl- as much a pleasure for me as it is for the audience because we get to be each other's audience too because it's true. all improvised you we know? do and after almost 10 years of this we've sort of uh, gotten each other's rhythms down and we can set each other up and stuff it's just so much fun to do still one of my favorite moments of uh well last year and this year because it was on the same night was <laughs> we were on the fucking show and i was like um Ooh, have you seen Watchmen? <laughs> like, I haven't seen anything. I've been getting divorced and my dad is dying. I got time for Baby Yoda. No, you go. I got time to jerk off Baby Yoda. <laughs> Whole half, second half of the tour, periodically, I'd be chuckling in the car and I'd be like to Josh and Liv. Remember when fucking Ralph <laughs> fucking exploded? <laughs> I have been given a, uh, a supersized menu order of real life the past six months or so that's for sure yeah. as a man you got to put that on your gravestone i ain't got time to be jerking off baby yoda i've been living in the real world <laughs> um all right yeah, that's for sure so and here i am by the way social distancing with a guy who has seen more people and been in contact with more people in the past three months than anyone in the united states what am i thinking i got as you cough i'm I, thinking that's it i'm walking out of here with a fever uh, i was in trader joe's for a minute yesterday because i i was i'm not one of these people that's like let's go fucking emergency shopping until i read an article where it said weed stores overrun and yesterday morning <laughs> i was like oh fuck and i called up the weed store and there i was like is it end of the world crowded there and the guy goes no nah, man it's cool come on in <laughs> i was like my did. people my people <laughs> so um i I, I, for the second that I started ever getting about, you know, when they use the word pandemic and stuff, I'm not a big germaphobe and stuff, but I'm not, I can read the tea leaves. It's like something bad is happening and right. shit and it's only going to get worse. But my, I think it was Jennifer that calmed me down or either her or Jordan, one of the two said, you just got home from a 65 city tour across three countries. And you didn't even get a cold. <laughs> like, I think your immune system's your in good proof. shape. Yeah. But as we all know, that's not the oh, thing. It's about be a carrier. On. And I live in a house with elderly people. Jen's parents live with us. So now we can't, we are literally socially distancing ourselves from them. We're like, hi, guys. Can't r- run the risk of being somebody, as you know. said, who's been out there in the world and shit. Be typhoid Kevin. Yeah, but you got one of them fucking, you got a kid. Those are fucking ground zero for for, for germs and shit. They don't get it, apparently. No, they just pass it the <laughs> fuck on. like rats. They're like the rats during the plague. Isn't that incredible? They just scurry around and just give it to everybody else. In more ways than one, Ralph. They're like rats <laughs> during the fucking plague. Did your kid's school get canceled? Yeah, she's home now. And for how long? Until after spring break, so she won't be back into school, depending on what happens with everything, until uh, mid-April. What happens? What happens then? Do they make them go to school till July? No. What they're doing, at least with her school, is they're trying a new uh, technique of homeschooling via the virtual world. So she'll have virtual classes from now until spring break, when she would get her normal time off, and then they'll reevaluate and see if they'll continue that way, or they'll get back into the classroom after that. What a dream, man! When I was in school, the dream was always like. Go to school, but without your pants on. Yeah, you could literally do that. Yes. At five, well, that was the nightmare, actually. But now you could do it in a dream way. You could be literally in class with your pants off. And if you're quiet, and I'm, what grade is this? She's in fourth. All right, so let's move this up a little bit before I go further. Let's <laughs> <Please> say <do. laughs> you're a college kid and you're doing this virtual class thing. You could literally jerk off while class is going on and people wouldn't know it. 
That's where you go. That's where your mind goes. I mean, we've got to find an edge to Hot for silver teacher. lining to this fucking cloud. Hot for teacher. It says, no, I'm saying you can keep another window open where you're learning and watching <laughs> oh, porn at I the same see. time. I got you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. This is another experiment. You know, she's going to have to be responsible for her own assignments and they'll, they'll assign the work, but she's got to do it on her own. It's like independent study for a nine-year-old. How successful is that model going to be? We'll what find out. What if they find out that, like, they could do it and they don't need the old model and shit? Well, they already said that the social aspect of going to school is the, going to be the most detrimental for these kids who aren't spending time in the class. You know, prolonged time out of school combined with prolonged, um, they're really begging. Screen time. A lot more screen that, time. More screen time. And they're also begging kids not to get together in large social groups. So no play dates, none of this. It's very isolating. And they say that can have a real bad effect on kids so they're I think kids are going to see it like woohoo because they're already fucking faces and screens this whole generation yeah I don't know and now they're like now you're going to go to school on the fucking screen too but my kid like, like she's on the so fourth grade so girls <coughs> soccer team she oh, loves them fucking she, kids. she loves her team and she loves her play dates and they get together in groups and she won't be able to do any of that so we'll see it's a long time for a nine year old to uh, sort of be just with mom and dad. And you can't even, and now that means she's home with you. Yeah. So you can't even be like, let's go to Disneyland. No. That fucker's gone too. Universal Studios closed. Disneyland closed. closed. I'm sure most people saw the factoid online, but um, they've closed only three times prior to this, and yeah. each of those times only for one day apiece. Yep. Right now they're closed till like April, May. Or April. Something. Um, yeah, mid April. Mid April. So. The only three other times it closed Disneyland. Assassination of Kennedy. Yep. The Northridge earthquake. Right. Which for those who are like, what the fuck is that? It was a pretty big earthquake out here, I guess. Yeah. Um, and how did that affect Disneyland? Was Disneyland affected? Or um, they no, just like... they were just careful because it had been the biggest serious quake in so some time. So they had to go check so... all their tracks yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to make sure. And then the third one was, of course, September 11th. Yeah. One day each. Um, Disney World has just, I believe, announced they are also shutting down. This is the real fucking deal. Disney Paris shut. The the biggest though, the when when this got real for everybody was when the first celebrity was yeah. hit. And they couldn't have picked a worse celebrity to go after, the one who must be saved at all cost. It was Tom Hanks. It was like you were writing a f parody of a pandemic movie. In which Tom Hanks was the star. Yes. Or even, no, he's like the surprise cameo. You know, it's like you and I are goofing around in a pandemic parody comedy and we're like, oh no, the first celebrity got it. Cut to Tom Hanks doing us a favor and playing himself in that cameo right. where he's in Australia in a isolation room hold, holding the, the volleyball. Who got from, me uh, or you? Uh, you did. I don't have any connection to Hanks. This fantasy falls right the fuck apart for me because I'm like... How? Unless Ralph got him, how did we get Hanks in our movie? Well, you know, and if we got Hanks in our movie, fuck the virus. We're, we win. Well, that's how we win, Ralph. It turns out Colin Hanks is a real good friend of mine. Oh, because that's right. He's kids, been on your show. Our kids sure. go to school together. Oh. So Colin and I are uh, our school dad buddies. We do that stuff. And so uh, when it happened, I reached out and I said, I feel bad because I know you're going to get bombarded and stuff, but I just want to reach out and tell you, you know, we're thinking of you and everything. And he wrote back very funny. He's like, thanks, pal. I appreciate it. And he goes, by the way. They got in Australia. I haven't seen my dad in a while. I know I gave your kid a ride home the other day. She doesn't have it. So he was more concerned about our social circle than uh, his parents. But, right. yeah, it was nuts. And it, it really <laughs> drove it home. It's so funny how- a, That's a stoner a, cough, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. A famous face will 
hang a level of sincerity and seriousness on a disaster more than anything else in this country. It's, yeah, kidding, man. it's like when Rock Hudson got AIDS, remember? And suddenly people are like, now it's This a is a disease. This yeah. is a real disease. The uh, <coughs> When I walked into Trader <coughs> Joe's for a minute with the kid the other day, yesterday, um, the lines were 25 person yeah. deep. I haven't like even that. gone. And to be fair, Trader Joe's was doing a wonderful job processing people. But I walked in, saw that. I was like, I ain't waiting here. I'm going to go outside. And I coughed and fucking everybody looked. And and then I was like, stoner. And they were like, all right. All right. Everybody cool, man. Went back to normal and shit. Um, yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, coughing is a real <laughs> trigger for a lot of people. But, brother, if I don't cough, it ain't as good. That's true. The coughing makes it better. I have, I'm, I'm buying into a lot of it, but I'm not buying into the panic hoarding no, uh, shopping phase. Yeah. Yet. It's not that kind of disaster in my opinion this isn't an earthquake or fire situation where all the shit's going to go away i can't imagine they're they're going to close the grocery stores last if they have to close shit down you know Agreed. what i mean um, i think you can still get a burrito and also uh, i'm like toilet paper is what you're worried about like water like if they told me like all oh, the fucking water is being bought i'd be like i bet you man i bet you but toilet paper it's like even water there's a pipe i don't know if you've seen it by your sink <laughs> And it's got a handle on either side. <laughs> and if you turn that, now this is going to sound crazy, but water just fucking flows out of it. Bullshit. Turns, How much? How no, much? Nothing. Just turn it on. What's it costing? Just turn it on. I don't believe you. Fuck your we'll fantasy. Bill you, we'll bill you at the end of the month. I need my Poland Springs. <laughs> we'll bill you at the end of the month. Um, Toilet paper? Like, maybe it's just me, but I'm like, I got, I got so many books. I got so many fucking, like, I got plenty of shit to wipe my ass with. And I'll just like... Turn on the shower, fucking grab a shower nozzle, douche that shit out. If like I got to wash myself off, I wash myself off. Totally, man. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn something new. Maybe I'll be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> this is the way it always should have been. This is a cleaner wipe. Papers for animals. Well, I mean, think about it. If you step in dog shit and you try to clean your shoe with paper, how much is left behind? I'm not walking into the house, that's for sure. <laughs> Certainly not on your asshole. And if you can... <laughs> And you're like my dog, Shecky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's my glands need to be expressed. <laughs> I did that on the road. No, Shecky you didn't. Shecky at one point, like, joined me for the last 15 dates. She looked up. She's sitting there. She's like, yeah, I did. And uh, at one point, like, she's eating a lot of fucking greasy fast food. So I'm like, I should probably get her fucking shit expressed because she was, like, doing the ass shuffle on the carpet. Yeah. And I brought her in. And where were we? Fuck. It was... Delaware, no, fuck, somewhere on the East Coast, man, and maybe Georgia, and um, went into a vet's office, and they were like, do you have an account with us? And I'm like, I just, do you need that to squeeze this dog's anal glands? Like, how much about me do you need to know? <laughs> how much about her do you need what to know? What kind of history, medical history, do you need to get a tissue and squeeze this dog's ass? Do you want me to tell you about the time she got in a fight with Marty and Marty bit her ass and she had a tube in her ass for like a month? Does that count? King just squeeze this dog. Show, look, show me how to do it and I'll do it. I just uh, know how to do it. You don't want to do it. Have you ever seen it done? Yes. What happens? It's, it's, where is it? Well, the gland is the around, ring around the asshole. Yeah. And, you know, I, and what do you mean? How did you see it? You've seen it? Because I take when I take Reggie, who is a neurotic mess, into the vet, I you stand by him. I got to stand by him and hold him. <laughs> usually, <laughs> motherfuckers looking at you like, why? Why are you? You're helping, too. <laughs> and uh, the stuff that comes out of there it looks like uh, the 
the black oil from X-Files. Oh, really? Yes. It's not good on any level. And how are they doing it? Is it literally squeezing? Yeah, they get a paper towel and they squeeze the gland. And they, Wait, they, <laughs> a paper towel? Yes. Nobody putting on a glove? Or well, anything? yeah, they glove up. But what they're using, they take a paper cl- towel and they just squeeze the gland and ex- literally express it. It's like popping a zit, basically. How do you think the dog feels about it? Um, at the time, I can't imagine they dig it. Like, what the fuck? Get away from it! <laughs> Let me imagine someone bends you over and squeezes your asshole with a paper towel and see how you feel. But to be fair, they are more of like an asshole-centric culture, right? Like, they're always sniffing each other's butts. Yes, that's and... why I think their asshole plays an even larger role in their daily lives than it does with us. And so when you get around that area, it'd be like somebody poking their fingers in your mouth or something. They get they get panicky. That's true. I guess if somebody walked up to me, I was like, no, no, no. Hey, 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 hey. Paper towel starts squeezing your tongue. <laughs> hey, hey. But afterwards, I think they feel a great sense of relief. And they're like, oh, that was oh, good. that's better now. Sounds like it defines a dog's life. Like panic and then a great sense of relief. Yeah, it's true. Everything, man. You, even when you hand them a new piece of food, they're like, uh-huh. And then, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> and that's dog Babylon with... <laughs> Hollywood canine on. <laughs> um, all right. You get so, everything on this show. So the first production affected, I think, was the Elvis movie that Tom Hanks is on in Australia with, with uh, well, the first, Baz Luhrmann. The first. Uh, and yeah. our boy's in it, too. Yeah. Because he's playing he's Elvis. playing Elvis. Yeah. Our friend from uh, Yoga Hosers. Yeah. Austin. Pendleton. No. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Pendleton. Austin, yes. Austin is playing Elvis. Yes. And um, <laughs> um, which one is Austin Pendleton? Is that the dad from no? Alf? He's the no. He's the guy with the glasses who was always the nerd in all like the seventies movies. And <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Fucking dad. From I think he Alf. was in. Uh, you ever see What's Up, Doc? No, that was uh, Max Wright. Right. It was the dad from Ralph. Oh, Alf. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, What's Up, Doc? Peter Bogdanovich with the uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's one of the uh, leads in that. Um. So you what you were gonna say? A different movie was shut down first. Um, well, all the live shows that had audiences were the first ones affected. They, what do you mean? they stopped recording in front of live audiences. All the late night shows they would... only started like two days ago. But I'm, oh no! Even shut... beforehand, they were uh, they were taking audience. Uh, Jeopardy, Wheel oh, of Fortune, all those the late nights stopped yeah. just on like no, Thursday. But, but it started with a lot of the syndicated shows that had audiences. They started to work without audiences, mm. and then it crossed over into film and television production where they stopped. <sighs> My kid is on a show. She was supposed to the first week of April go out to Dallas to start her show, but uh, they pushed a month for you know same thing. We were going to open Smod Castle the week of four twenty. Clearly, that's. And I mean, it's an easy push, too, because if we wait a couple more months, then it's the 10-year anniversary of actual Smod Castle's opening. That's crazy. And naturally, Babylon will be there. You'll be making a very far trip for a very little audience. Uh, that would be a pleasure for <coughs> Plus, it's a, a, that means we're on the cusp of the 10-year anniversary of Babel as well. That's we right. So we got to do something after, fucking big, man. Shortly after you opened the OG Smod Castle, we started putting this up. So were you on? You weren't on the Prima Nocta bill? No. Mm-hmm. So that was July 10th. So that means we Babylon were in on. Starts... We started in like August. Wow. Yeah. So we got a big show coming up. Yeah. Where do we book it? I don't know. Here, man. Let's hear from here, you. Here at your house? Yeah. Here <laughs> at the house. We can have 100 people. Um, bring bring your suggestions for where we should do the Hollywood Babylon 10th That's anniversary show. Pitch your, pitch your home. Pitch your home. Tell us where you want us, man. And uh, maybe we'll go there. The hashtag is uh 
Um, Babel 10. Babel 10. The number or spell it out? The number. Okay. You can do that right Babel now. Babel 1 0, I think. Babel so. 1 0. Okay. And hit, you know, fucking include at me and Ralph, of course. Ralph is what? At Ralph Garman. So original. Thank and you. I'm that Kevin Smith. Just one word more original. Um, yes. At us and then under the hashtag Babel 10. Tell us where we should do the Babel 10th anniversary show. Great idea. And we'll book the show there because it's coming. I mean, we got a few months and we certainly have fucking time in our hands to book a show. Hopefully by the time August rolls around, we'll be free to travel about the world again. Oh, my God. And if not, God help us all. Yeah, really. Um, then, I, then I'm Charlton Heston in Omega Man. Oh, I thought you were talking. this like, damn you. Damn no, you. Omega Man. I was, driving, you know, I was driving around Los Angeles to get to your home and the streets are unnaturally open wide yeah, you can get anywhere now and it reminded me of omega man the charlton heston movie where he is the guy who got the one dose of vaccine against a pandemic that turned everybody into zombies and he's the only person who can exist during the day and he's tooling around in his mustang just all by himself and it was very reminiscent of one of those kind of post-apocalyptic m- movies omega garman that's right Ah. <laughs> Listen here, Kevin Smith. I don't buy your cough story. I think you're infected. You better hope. <laughs> ah. <coughs> all right. I'm all alone. <laughs> what was the guy's name, the bad guy? Matthias. Yes. Listen to that- me, Matthias. I can help you. Who is the ah, dude? Who's the, he, Anthony Zerby. Yes. He was always like a bad dude. Always. Well remembered, man. Thank you. He's gone, right? Yeah. So is Charlton Heston. They're all gone. It's just us. So who won in the Omega Man War? Who went first? Uh, he um, sat in, spoilers, 1970, <laughs> this film was made, so you lose. Uh, he sacrifices himself at the end for the greater good. Who and does? Chuck Heston. And there's a big sort of like... Uh, Jesus homage thing as he hangs there on a wrought iron fence at the end. But in real life, who passed first? Oh, Chuck did. Yeah, Chuck went. So then ultimately the Matthias won. Matthias won. The zombies win. Just like real life, man. They got to do one more, like a PS. They got to add a PS to all the Omega Men. In real life, one of these actors went before the other. Like, what does this have to do with the story? They shut down the Flash. That hurts. What? Now they're getting personal with me. In Canada? Yeah. Stop production on The Flash. I wonder if everyone still gets paid. I was thinking that, too. I mean, obviously, we want to do what's right for the for the well-being of the species, because now this is a worldwide situation, and everybody is trying to stem the tide of contagion. A pandemic does not care about economics. But you got to think, those people who are Kevin Smith. day workers <laughs> and, you know, gig workers and the stuff, it's like, I know some of the uh, sporting franchises have announced they're still going to Some of the NHL franchises have announced they'll still be paying. NBA as well. Even the people who worked at the arena, the people who sold popcorn and shit and everything. Which is, what a, that's a good, great gesture. Absolutely. And completely doable. And they got more money than uh, Croesus. So absolutely, they should be doing that. And opposite from the report out of, what was it, Amazon, where uh, they were saying, if you've got some extra sick time, give it to your buddy. Yeah. So. He can have sick time. Right. Then what happens when it's time for my sick time? Oh, well, there's another robot. Maybe Wait. there'll be another buddy. Yeah. Um. That that was kind of not a good look. Well, the guy's pinching pennies. You have to understand he doesn't have a lot of cash. Got to hurt, right? Yeah. Shit to pay for. 
Um, look, we don't want to fucking say too much about Amazon. Because no. I literally get everything from us, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. We say. don't want Jeff Bezos going, close their Prime <laughs> accounts. <laughs> Making fun of me, will they? They will get only regular shipping. Oh, my God. Long. We're going to have to wait two fucking days. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's true. Um, what uh, wither news, Ralph? Did you prepare any fucking? No. We're just it's a home show. It's a so get to know you show. So what's going on out there in the world then? In um, our business. Well, this is going on. It's the only thing that we, is happening. That's it. It's us. I just mean, what I, I always dreamed of. We're the only entertainment option. I've got a friend who works on a sports uh, talk daily podcast. And he's like, we don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about. Oh, my God. Think about right. it. Think about all the people, the enormous sports commenting industry. ESPN, all the sports radio talk shows, their entire format is just to talk about scores and sports. What do they have? There's no hockey. There's no basketball. There's no baseball is going to be delayed. Football's off season. Soccer, they're playing to empty stadiums if they're playing at all. I mean, there's nothing going on. And it's it's becoming that with entertainment. I mean, all the, the, the shows have canceled. All of the tours have canceled. You can't see a live musical act. You can't go see a comedy club. We were going to do this show at the Improv in Oxnard at the end of the month, and the Improv said we're closing all of our venues until April. You can't do or see anything. I mean, movie theaters now, AMC just said they're capping their number of tickets that they can sell way below capacity so that people can sit six feet away from each other and watch a film. What opened this weekend, or what's opening this weekend? A bunch of really depressing films. It seemed like a bad weekend to have depressing films. There was that... Uh, Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Yeah. Ooh. Anytime Vin Diesel's in a film, that's depressing. But uh, there was the uh, abortion... Groot. The abortion roadshow. I am alone at the box office. It was the abortion roadshow. Uh, never, hardly, ever, The abortion roadshow is the, <laughs> the musical about fucking... I want to live. No, that's not Is it a Christian movie? No. No, that's... Uh, I still believe... <laughs> That's what I thought you were talking about. No, there's another what do you mean one. The abortion roadshow. There's a, a movie about two teenage girls in Pennsylvania who have to go to New York City so one of them can get an abortion. Oh, I thought you were. I thought that was what the Christian movie was. No, about. the Christian movie is about a true story about the the world's biggest Christian music star, whose uh, wife gets cancer, and he he wants the entire fan base to pray for her and have Jesus save her life and cure her. Is that a true story? It is a true story, and and she died. Fucking spoilers, bro. It's out there. It's been established because then he wrote after she died his most famous single called I Still Believe. Oh, so. Ah, I see now. So he it was a test of faith. It was. And so even though he asked everyone to pray for He said, Jesus, I I sing your songs. I teach your teachings through the magic of music to millions of people. Please save my wife. Cure her. And Jesus said. And and he still believes, man. That's um, that's that's faith. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, because death tests your faith. Yeah, it does. Um, and in, in that instance, way. that's I mean, hopefully there's something in there about like you know that's that's a, that's presuming upon a friendship. You can't you can pray for a lot of things in this world, but you can't like fucking say Jesus save X, Y, or Z. You but can't do that. You can, but <laughs> it's fifty fifty results, right? Yeah, it, and that's why I'm thinking. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. No, but I'm some saying. Some of the folks out there have very particular beliefs. Ralph. I respect those beliefs. I'm just saying, if you can't ask for that, mm. it's not like you're saying, 
Oh, can you help me find my car keys, Jesus? You're forgetting the plan, Ralph. Oh, I forgot. There's a divine plan. I forgot. So, yeah. of course, some folks are called home. Uh-huh. My father um, was called back because, of course, Jesus had a job for him. He wants him to cancel stamps in heaven. Now. Right. So I got you. I just, I just think that's a, it. Yes, it's the ultimate test of faith. And then, uh, but should you ask for it? Then does it prove you're not faithful if you even ask for it? Yes, it does. That's the double edged sword, right? Because you're saying, God, you are all powerful. You're, you're <coughs> capable of all things. Please do this thing. Or and God just says, Nope. No, what you're really saying is like, you have a plan. This is all you're doing. Nothing happens without your say so. It's all by divine design. Well, so well, it's already in motion. I that, want you to that, to take your plan and shove it up your ass <laughs> because I have fucking plans. That's what you're saying with I every see. prayer. Yes, I'm not just saying like the biggies. Like, find my car keys, Lord. Like, that's why you don't ask Jesus for that. You go to Saint Chris or Saint Anthony. He's the one who finds sure. your fucking keys. Do but Saint Anthony, come around. Something's lost and can't be found. Yes. Yes. Um, come around. That's what you had. Ours yeah, was had please come, come down. Oh, he's please in come down. Heaven. Oh, so, what's was... even better. Ours is invoking a fucking spirit from above. Yours like, come around. That's very Philadelphia. You come around. Could you come around and find my car keys? Bring a one wit whiz. <laughs> um, ours was like, please come down because you are fucking dead. And when things are dead, they must descend to the dead earth again. Man, 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 yeah. Man. Yeah. Can't really make heavenly shit metal no you striper really tried but you can't really do it no. but back to this fucking the thing yes you're asking even with like lord please help me find my car keys presumably the lord lost your keys for a reason it's part of the plan and even though you're responding you know and then you got to factor in well what's my fault well what is your fault you choose to sin you didn't choose to lose your car keys that was a jesus thing right. Jesus being like this will i got look there's a reason and so then we should never pray, really, is what you're saying. That's don't do what it. I arrived Don't at. do it. That's why, like, when I was dying, I was not sitting there praying. I didn't want to presume upon. Because the plan's already friendship. in action. Also, and... I was like, I thought the Lord would be like, you made dogma. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Die hard. So I was we like, I was in one of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I, but again, I so, take it So we shouldn't away, offer thoughts and prayers. We should just offer thoughts. <laughs> I mean. Moving forward. Same diff, right? Like yeah. offering those. Every time I see somebody offering those thoughts of prayers, it's like oh. I'll, I'll take thoughts. Thoughts are great. I'll I'm keeping thoughts. you in my heart. I like that one. Yeah, that sounds believable. But whenever, especially when I see a celebrity say like I'm praying for, I, mm. I don't. I'm not. You know, look, I'm being negative. I, I just, I think, I, I like to say, I, I will never say, you're in my prayers because I would. Like, I don't pray now. I'm not going to be like, Lord, it's Kevin. Yeah. It's been a while. I didn't pray to you when I was about to die. There's this woman, Rebecca. She's in Indiana. <laughs> she has an ask. And I really feel like, you know, I, so I, and I'm not mocking those that do that. I'm not. Either. My personal ethos is I would not presume upon a friendship. Yeah. Um, and the friendship that I have with the Lord and is I you know I get to be Kevin Smith for, until I die and and uh you know every once in a while I'm like Lord did it <laughs> which I pretty much stopped I don't know I, I really fell off the rails with all this Welcome to speaking of imposing Babylon upon Babylon ladies and, and speaking gentlemen. of po- imposing upon friendship yes I had um Greg Grunberg 
on my show a while back on the Ralph Report. Yes. And so we were chatting and talking and we we had a, a similar, we had sort of a bonding moment over the fact that he is lifelong pals with JJ. Yes. And they've worked together a ton. And uh, we, we were talking about my friendship with you and how kind you are to always uh, think of me and include me in the many different projects that you work on. And I've, I've, I hope I've expressed my uh, gratitude and my thanks for, for all the all that, always all those opportunities that you have given me. Always. And he said, um, are you in? He was asking about some project. I think it was uh, reboot. He said, are you are you going to be in that? And I said, yeah, Kevin said there's something in that for me. And I said, I always am so grateful. And, you know, I never want to presume on that friendship. And say, when I hear he's working on something, reach out and say, hey, hey, uh, what's what do, you, what do you got for me? And Greg said, oh, that's not me. I always do that. He does. If I read in the trades that JJ just got to deal with that, I call him up and meet and go, okay, great. Well, who am I playing? Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, and good for him because he- It is his superpower. He gets a ton of stuff because he does that, but I would be blown away if I was that guy. I just, <laughs> I wouldn't- I couldn't do it. I the guy, you blown away as the person receiving the request. Yes, it's uh, yeah. I and I, but I, the way I always feel about Greg, and he thought like, I was an idiot because I don't call you up every time I see your name in the trades and say, "What? Who am I playing? What am I doing? What am I? What am I going on?" Right. I was like that. Ugh. I uh, so that I'll being said, be Clerks Three, you got something had, for me? Yeah, of course. You're <laughs> I'm kidding. In. I'm kidding. Um, I always feel grateful because, like you know, he had geeking out was his thing. Yes, it was. He great. had a deal that was already set up. They had sold the show to AMC, and AMC was like, "We would like you to be in that show." And I was like, "Oh my god, fantastic!" So because of that, we got to make six episodes of a TV show, however many it was, right. and, and got paid to do so and whatnot. Met some other cool people who we got to interview. Um, so. When, you know, I was working on Flash and he's like, who am I playing? Uh, it just, I was like, oh my God, I'll find you something. And like, he did, wasn't in my episode, but like, I got him into the Flash. Right, and they right. used him for a couple episodes. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, I felt like a sort of like, oh, well, fucking the least I could do. And, and he likes this world and he played Snap Wexley and it makes sense. And Sure. Um. But yeah, everything pretty much. He hit me up about reboot, but we were almost done, and you know, I, I was we were already staffed up. It really is a superpower. I don't have that in me. I don't have that that ability. And I know other people he, also like are in, like him. He's in fucking A Star Is Born. Yeah, I told him when I saw that I was like, oh my god, like well done, sir. Because I know that was him going like, Bradley, you're directing a movie. What's up? And he knows Bradley from back on Alias, Alias yeah. and stuff. Um. So yeah, it is a superpower. That's uh, that's and God bless him because look, he's he's no, he's eleven action figure. Snap Wexley, he's got a name. I was I was in a costume in Star Wars, and if you blink, you you miss me. I'm happy to have done it, but like that that was that. He he's on camera, he's talking, he's in a scene with fucking Carrie Fisher. Yeah, because he's smart enough to like be like, who am I playing? That's he's he's every time uh, it struck me because that phrase you used, it's like that's where my mind automatically goes. That I'm envious of his. Ability Lack of guile stuff. when it comes to that. It's just kids. Um, the lesson in all of this is go for yours, man. Yep. Just worst that can happen is you know fucking you don't get something, but you ask and it, nobody gets. He, this is what Greg learned early on in life. Nobody gets anything unless you ask for it. It's so true, and that's why my career is where it is, and that's where he's mine as well. And believe me, I'm not unhappy with my career. I like my career, but sometimes I you know go like, why isn't 
like how come netflix doesn't like ask me to do that like i see somebody doing like you know um who are the boys the brothers the duplass they've right. got like a sweet little deal at, at netflix where they make multiple movies and yeah. produce them direct them it's like, why hasn't like netflix come to me and asked me to do that because that's not how it fucking works no. maybe it works like that for like you know Scorsese, J. J. Abrams, or where they'll reach out to Scorsese and be like, "Hey, we'll make fucking the Irishman we'll, right over we'll, here. We'll be, we'll find you a home." But like, generally speaking, I got a knock on the door. Somebody, the Duplass brothers, probably went in and said, "Oh, for sure, we got an idea. This is what we like to do. You guys want to pay for it? Can we be here?" Blah blah blah. But it does begin with the ask. Like, it's it's weirdly arrogant to assume that like. Well, they'll reach out if they want me. I guess the smart play forward is always just like, if you want to play in that sandbox, let it be known. I sat down with a new agent the other day mm. uh, for the first time. Like my agent, my representation has changed over the years. Um, like when I began in this career, I was at CAA. <clears throat> they were my first agency. Uh, Tori uh, Metzger was my agent um got her right before got the agent right before sundance began in 1994 introduced to her through john pearson <clears throat> um and i was with them until i made uh chasing amy we were in the middle of making chasing amy and phil raskin cold called me and he was a brand new baby agent he had been at icm and then a bunch of agents a couple years ago left icm in the night took their Rolodexes with them and started a brand new agency called Endeavor. Mm. So four or five of these dudes started a brand new agency and Phil was on the desk when he left with them. And so bam, he was an agent and he just called and he was like, are you happy with your representation? And uh, I was like, um, you know, like, I mean, I guess why? And he was like, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And they, offered to come to New Jersey where we were making Chasing Amy and like met with us while we were making the movie and stuff. We had a lunch with them. Every partner of Endeavor came. Wow. They had like right at that point, the only director they had was Daisy Von Schurler Meyer who had directed Party Girl. Mm. So they were trying to build their roster. They literally just built their business, you know, by fucking like, we're going over here. We're crossing the street and fucking, you know, there was, I think, a bit of a legal back and forth with ICM and them, whether or not they were allowed to steal the oh, Rolodexes, gotcha. whether it was stealing the Rolodexes that belonged to ICM or their clients, so forth and so on. So they were building their agency. All of them came, and I was like, and they were all like, you know, the promise they brought was like, we'll make you money while you sleep. So like, as while you're sleeping, we're working on making you money. And I was young and dumb enough to be like, oh, my God. Someone will, will be touching you while you sleep, but still you'll be making money. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that it came with hooks and shit. <laughs> So uh, we joined Endeavor, and Phil was my agent. Those other guys I met were partners at the agency, and the hook is always like, the whole agency is, is yours. Mm -hmm. But Phil was my guy. Phil is now a partner. Wow. Because he's been there so long, and he joined up early on and stuff like that. And Phil, uh, you know, like, when I stopped making movies, when he started with me, I was just making movies, and that's all I did. But secretly along the way, I was like, oh, now I'm writing comic books. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. I like podcasting. I like this. You know, I built like fucking talking for a living on stage without Phil. Mm. Like he would always be like, how's, you know, because I had a separate agent for touring colleges. And he'd be like, how's your other little agent doing? How are your other 
little gigs doing oh, and boy. stuff like that. And then one day, Endeavor, well, they became William Morris Endeavor. Right. Um, took all of my touring business. Like, we want it here. You know that little side hustle you have? Yeah. Well, now that's It became them. They, they, I guess what he realized over time was like, well, he's concentrating less on fucking movie making and he's making this money over here without us. Mm-hmm. So fucking, and to be fair, going, signing up with WME as an agency um, for touring has been beautiful. We got to do the Jay and Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow Tour because we've got this agent over there, Seth Siegel, who works out of Nashville, who is an absolute genius. We came to him going, like, we want to do this. And he's like, nobody's done that before. I was like, we did it once before, but we did it very small. We just want to keep doing it. And if places aren't giving us offers, we want a four wallet and shit. Like, let's, we built it into what it is, man. Like a legit fucking hardcore tour, 65 cities. Like some rock star announced like a couple of weeks ago, I'm doing 30 city tour. I was like, pussy. Fucking 65 <laughs> got in cities. That came from Seth Siegel, the genius of Seth Siegel. But that was an agent given to me by Phil. As my agency grew and they became a monolith, well, WME is now bigger than CAA. Yeah, we're a superpower. Superpower. <clears throat> um, more clients, you know, and there ain't no Jerry Maguire's in this world. So he got, you know, involved with people like Tina Fey is one of his clients. She fucking actually does shit in the movie world on a regular basis and blah, blah, blah. So slowly I started to get other agents. Right. You know, it's kind of like also the de- now the agency business is like the older you get as a human being, the more doctors you get for every part of your body. So here's your heart guy. Here's your head and nose guy. Here's mm-hmm. your fucking gallbladder guy. Here's your fucking legs guys, whatever. Fuck. Same thing now in the agency world. They're trying to get every fucking penny possible and stuff. So it ain't just like I got my agent. No, That's you have a team now. They there's give you a team. A, there's a complete fucking team and they're yes. all wonderful. But they all stem from my agent being like, I can't do any of these things. So here, take this guy. Here, take this girl. Here, take this person. So there's Seth Siegel's my touring. Um, Like uh, promotional stuff is Brittany. Um, Jordan, boy Jordan, not to be confused with girl Jordan, who Jason's married to, uh, is my like uh, TV streaming agent. He's wonderful. Um, They're all great fantastic fucking team um there's brian i think is the international touring guy as well um but then i met a a new dude who is movies which is essentially my agent like phil kind of not washing his hands of me i'm still part of endeavor and he's still like the guy but you know any his focus is elsewhere yeah and and the idea is like this guy's young and hungry and stuff like that oh i see so, and uh, I met him, he's wonderful, um, but that's the world we live in now where, you know, you've got a different agent for everything and stuff. And now this new agent, we sat around um, the other day, this is the original thought that I'm trying to get back to, right? Um, going like, what do you, what do you want? And, you know, I was like, well, I, you know, and I brought up like the DePoss brothers thing. I was like, I always like that fucking deal and stuff. Mm. <clears throat> and I always wondered why I don't have that. He goes, did you ever go in there and like meet with film people? And I was like, well, no. And so I, I pitched things at Netflix so they know like I fucking exist and I've been in this business 25 years. I mean, I did make clerks you know, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but like, that's not did the way they today? work. You got to ask today. He's like, and they just, that's not the way they work. It's yeah. like the biggest names that have fucking shows go in there and pitch those shows. There's not a single executive I know of cold call somebody else going like, I'm wanting this. 
uh, give me your client. Like it it's, doesn't work like that. Yeah. You, you got to go in and tell them what you're looking for. And it's a yes or no thing. It's and I never that's, our, that's an old model of show business that I think we were sold in movies and TV shows. We're like, if your qual- your quality speaks for itself, right? And, and like, hey, I like what that Kevin Smith kid does. Get get me that Kevin Smith kid. I got an idea for him. When you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. Yeah. So for all these years, I just assume that, like, well, I guess I'm not hot. I just do the things that I want to do. Right. But the the kid that I met with, the agent, was just like. No, that's not it. It's not the game. He's like, you go in there and you say, I want to do exactly what the Duplass brothers are doing. He's going, there's a 50-50 chance. They'll be like, oh, all right. Like, really? And he's like, yeah, they're never going to think to, like, come to you. Unless, like, you know, you made Endgame. Right, yeah. And that makes sense to me. But I was like, oh, my God, I've been going about this in a weird way. So so your point is, kids, knock on the door. Knock on the door, man. Like, fucking, you don't get what you don't ask for. Ain't nobody. And I've been weirdly saying that in a way for years where I'm like, no help is coming. It's true. You're always telling people to do their own, but I never make their own art. But I'm different in as much as I couldn't, I can't do that. I can't pick up the phone call like and and make the phone call like Greg does and be like, hey, man, like, like, I only got in Star Wars because I almost fucking died. And JJ sent me an email going like, if you live, I'll put you in Star Wars. And I was like, a reason to live. So, you know, that's how that happens. And like, I guess I'm spoiled. Like, in as much as like, you know, I, I want them to come to me. Not like I'm vain, but I'm like, I just don't think I'm worth anything. So I assume if they think I'm worth something, they'll come to me. And this guy's point is like, no, you let him go in and you let him know what you want to do. And then they make their fucking value judgment. But until you walk in, they're not thinking about you at all. Until you ask, you're not in their fucking matrix. I also think it's a personality thing, though, too. Some people are just built that way. Like, you ever see a good sales guy yes. get on the phone and make Stanley. cold, cold calls Stanley. cold calls to people to sell insurance or fucking light bulbs or cars or Never. whatever? Only in, only Leo in that movie. <laughs> but it, that well, that's very similar to the real world in the sense that those guys don't care whether they're imposing or whether that's an issue or if it's socially awkward or whatever they don't even see it it's not it's not they don't have that self-editing mechanism that holds them back and makes them think oh i don't know this is this maybe i don't deserve it or maybe i feel weird they deserve it all the time my job is to get your money yeah and i just envy that gene that i am sorely lacking in but my original point Taking it back. Yeah, bitch. Which was, again, my thanks to you and how kind you always are to me. We should probably maybe tell people, break the news about the next thing that uh, that I worked with you on that we uh, that no one knows about. Should can we, we? Are we allowed to? I don't know. You, you're the guy. How do I know if we can or not? I th- well, there's... I saw you and uh, D on, uh, on social media, so I, I yes. assumed that people were talking about people. They, um, they, hmm... No, oh, you know we what? Can't? I guess, yeah, here. I think we could do this. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to put us in uh, dire straits here. I just it thought, won't put us in dire I straits. Mean, plus, I'm nobody, and they couldn't really care about that. You'd be surprised. All right, never mind. We'll tell you when we can tell you. But, but Kevin and I just worked on something really fun together, and, and when we can tell you, we'll tell you about it. Yeah, and oh man, or should I say, he man, is it a good time? Really? Thank God I reached out to a master in the universe of voiceover acting. A guy who's been on Family Guy for years. And, uh... Well, and, there uh, goes that. Well, there goes that. <laughs> Just a hint. Just a taste of... 
<laughs> possibilities. You are, you are really. Is that salesman enough? You're like the, the, the riddle of the Sphinx, man. No one's going to be able to. <laughs> inscrutable. You're going to be able to decode that. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. We'll yeah. tell you more when we're allowed to tell you, yeah. but you can figure it out. Um, and, but what you can't figure out is who. And that's yes. a big, that's the biggie. That is the biggie. Yeah. Um, now, the, now we're just inviting people to bombard us with guesses, of course, but. Hashtag, we can neither we can neither say yes or no apparently hashtag ralph is <laughs> <laughs> um the uh the business is uh, certainly changing in a rapid fashion as we see right now and we've never seen this before no i can't ever think even like you know, people are like, well, we've been through a SARS scare. I'm like, I don't remember anyone fucking shutting anything down. They're like, well, the swine flu. I'm like, I don't remember anything no. shutting down. I don't remember that being all across the entire country also and stuff. This is, you know. This is unlike anything we've ever experienced. I and, told my kid who's nine, I said, soak all this in because this is a story you're going to be telling your kids years from now. Unless it becomes the norm, at which point you'd be like, I remember when this first happened. Yeah, right. Um, it is a uh, strange fucking to see and what a weird we're going to see the repercussions like it never occurred to me like you said that the people who live on the fringes of a sport like never mind the sporting community having to cancel events Mm -mm. the people whose job it is like what are they going to do on espn for the next like just run classic and shit talk about bowling are they allowed to bowl still i think you can still bowl yeah the national bowling league or whatever hasn't called it off yet not yet fuck (laughs) them NHL, NBA, NBA, pussies. We're rolling. Yeah, we're still rolling rolling stones here, man. (laughs) Come watch us Fred Flintstone style. (laughs) Twinkle toes at their (laughs) finest. Learn the best of bowling that there is to learn. Canadian bowling with little balls and smaller pins. The Bowling Network. It's our time. At least Canada has uh, curling. I mean, there's, I think, a few things they can still do. The, uh, yeah, all these, you know, the sport that's going to fucking become, you know, it's going to dominate now is like Twitch kids, people that play video games. Yeah. That's in a world where people like that already is dominant. I saw an article the other day that said streaming video, this could be the boost to that world. It's already huge, obviously. I was going to say, what, how much bigger is it? Well, in terms of crossing over into, you know, obviously it's, it's a huge audience, but it is a select audience. This could cross it over into the world of guys who just watch sports in general who aren't familiar with that world. This could be the thing that. Yeah, like that I want to watch this them. competition gamer, man. I'm going to bet on this. I mean, gamblers, what the fuck are they going to do? This may cure people of gambling. Unless mm. they're like, now I'm going to gamble on the virus. Will it get you or will it not? Jeez, uh, how's he feeling? Is he on the respirator yet? I, uh, I'll take tomorrow. I'll so, put 20 bucks on tomorrow. Let's write a movie right now. So a virus pandemic hits, all sporting's off, hence all sports. Sports betting is off. Vegas so if, gets together. All the wise guys in Vegas get together because they're starting to take it in the shorts because all the sports books had to close. So they can't take any action. The conclusion is virus betting. I was going to go Fight Club, but I guess yours is more <laughs> <laughs> more relevant. Underground sports is that what you're saying? Yeah, it would have to be at that point, right? Yeah. Um, did you see the WWE? broadcast i mean maybe not watch it but anything of it no no so last night they did like friday night live or whatever their thing is smackdown smackdown yeah with no audience whatsoever how do you do that sport with no audience it's really when you realize how big a portion of the fucking whole show the audience is hell yeah but to give them credit they put on 
a show as if the audience was there. There were moments when they were bellowing at the audience, but it's very strange. Um, their entries Dear Lord. are very strange. Like John Cena, Senna, how do you say Cena. John Cena was on the show and he came out in his jorts and shit. And you imagine if that was happening on a regular SmackDown, he's fucking huge now, this fuck guy. yeah. You'd imagine it would have been like Christ, you know, returning to Jerusalem or whatever the fuck. And instead, it's just a guy in jorts walking down a little ramp and pointing at the camera. No. Empty rows behind them. It was it was surreal. It was very surreal to watch. The other night, Seth Meyers lost his audience or, you know, they kept the audience away. Right. And then they tried to do or did. Monologue? He did like a closer look. He's like, look, you know, we don't have an audience. We don't know when we're coming back. And I don't even know if they put it on the air or if it was just like they put it up on the YouTube channel. But they're like, we wrote, you know, a, a, a closer look last night. So we're going to shoot it. And he wasn't even wearing a suit. He was literally just wearing his street clothes and stuff. Wow. And it was surreal. Like every time where you would expect to hear the audience laugh, no laughter. There's a clip from The View where they open up the show and, and Whoopi's talking to the audience and the audience is not there, but yet their kinetic energy is still high. Like the music sign, like welcome to the view. Cause they got to do it oh, man. for the home audience. Like us, like, you know, we're talking in a converse, con more conversational style than we ever, I literally went through the history of my agents, <laughs> something that we never would have done in a live setting. You right. mod modulate based on what you're doing. But that's because we're a podcast and it's going to go home. People listen and it's a different medium. These cats are used to doing a show for the people in the room and all the people watching at home. Yes. And if it's not the same show, like if they were like, welcome to the view, man, like and kept everything as low key as we're being and mm -hmm. shit, you break the model, you break the brain of the audience and shit. So that's still true. they started the show with sweeping cameras and kinetic energy and just like, yeah, we're here. And then they got to an audience. I'm, I'm having flop sweat just hearing you tell the story. It's crazy. But at the same time, are they flopping? You know, because it's like nobody's in the room. I, I would have grabbed some staff and <laughs> stuck them in chairs for some, I don't know, some occasional laughter and shit, which is, I think, what Seth had because in the background you could hear the writer's laughter. Laughing. Yeah. Wow. But it's it's crazy, man, looking at that. And then have you seen like in heavy rotation online is the clip from the end of Planet of the Apes, the yes. remake Planet of the Apes, yeah. where like it just and covers the globe slowly, and you watch the lights go out, yes. and it's the same thing, like pandemic. I forgot, like it wasn't like the apes hunted them to extinction. It's like a virus knocks out most of the world. And in the very beginning, like the apes just took off into the woods, yeah, and then fucking like you know, like this one's dying. They got footage of Obama going like just get with your families and get safe. Like it's so well done. But now when you watch it, you're like. It's prophetic. This shit ain't funny anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. We're living in Planet of the Apes. Then there was a clip online somewhere in the world where they got, like, monkeys running around in the marketplace, like, you know, fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, where tourists usually are. Mm. And they buy food and fucking hand it off to the monkeys. Since there are no tourists, since the marketplace is, like, essentially fucking barren and closed, all the monkeys that normally gather there have gathered in droves and they're having these wars over what limited oh, the monkey means fights. there are. Yeah, so the streets are filled with monkey fights. Like surreal fucking videos, man. Um, if we all survive this particular moment in time, this might be an unbreakable world. Shy of like nuclear holocaust. Yeah. And, or unless the next virus that comes through isn't doesn't oh, fuck around. Fucking, I'm just saying. I mean, can't this be the worst? Oh, no. 
can it be as bad no, as it gets? No, not as long as the people are still eating bats and shit. There's going to be something. Is that the source of the? Along. Do you know that for a fact? Is that the origin? That's of the what they're. Or is guess, that from that's contagion? They, no, that's what they're guessing. <laughs> that it started in China, one of these black markets, food markets where people eat weird shit that you're not supposed to eat, and they definitely know it was the coronavirus in general is largely ca- carried by animals, and then occasionally it will make the jump to uh, our species, and they think that's what happened, Oof. that someone tried to eat something exotic like a bat or something. That, that literally was, sounds like a- That was infected. In, in Contagion, it's a bat eating some fucked up fruit and then like, like drooling on it or whatever, and then a fucked up fruit falls on the ground, and then the pig ate that fruit and then they kill the pig and they serve it in a restaurant or some such shit and that's that was the source of it yeah um good we, times we don't know hey we're at the view everybody yeah fucking woo. Yeah. listen to that audience laugh no it's gonna change uh the zeitgeist for sure i think it's gonna be a major shift initially and then i'm guessing america especially being america we'll just all forget about it and go back to life as as usual fingers crossed man i don't think anybody's gonna take any lessons from this um, what are you going to do with your time down? Probably the same fucking thing. I don't thing have any time down. Time on. That's I've right. Been prepping, I've been prepping for this for two years. <laughs> Disaster prepper Ralph Garman. My life is perfectly designed <laughs> to exist in this world. Because Not I leave the house. I work from home. I work from with myself. And uh, Eddie Pence sits across the table from me. And we do the daily show. And it's just all internet and, and home base so I don't have to go anywhere and see anybody or do anything and I he's, haven't practically for two years. You so. just gotta hope that Eddie Pence don't get sick. Yeah, really. Um, I'm back to back to on my own again. <laughs> on my own all by myself once again. Don't wanna be We're doing two different songs. I know we're doing a mashup. Yeah, it was sweet, man. We were breaking fuckers' brains. We were forcing different hemispheres of their brains to snap to life. <laughs> um what uh, what can people uh, expect of Hollywood Babylon right now, you're asking? A lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse. No, I, here's the thing. I think a lot of people like these shows. We always get a good response when we do one. For the very nature that it is different than stage babble, which is very presentational right. and recurring segments and voices and bits and stuff. They and wouldn't I want a steady, a steady diet of it, but they, they like it. It seems to mix things up. I play a much less intelligent version of the guy I play on the home show version. You you play a less intelligent version in the home show no, version? No, in, in, in live. Oh, yeah. And I play a much angrier, drunker <laughs> version on stage than I do uh, here uh, in your house. So Oddly yeah. enough, though, I'm more stoned at the home show because I can't smoke weed on the stage when we do the show. And oddly enough, I'm sober doing this, which is very unusual. But you get the secondhand high. I do. I am getting a little hot box. Being in a fucking room with a fucking quality weed. <laughs> yeah, quality dude. weed, man. So are you stocked up? We don't have to worry? You went and got a bunch? You good? That was the only When I read that story, I was like, I'm going to go fucking stock up. So I, I saw that white bag you were holding. It looks like, you know when you go to a Mexican restaurant, have you ever had takeout from a Mexican restaurant, and you ask for... You know, can we get, uh, instead of just the regular bag of chips, can you give us an extra bag of chips, maybe double, triple that up, and then they hand you a giant bag full of uh, uh, tor- tortilla chips? That's what Kevin has. The restaurant size. Yes, the restaurant size bag of joints. Don't tell him, man, because when shit, when society collapses, motherfuckers will know where to find the weed. <laughs> Don't come here. We're armed. Um, yeah, I got enough. Um, and I'm just going to dive into, I'm knee deep in fucking mall rats too. Twilight of the Mall Rats, you still call it that? Twilight of the Mall Rats. Yeah, that's, that's a great called. title. Um, and uh, 
Clerks 3 is also coming along nicely, although I've been kind of way deeper in Mallrats at this point. I've got some uh, Masters of the Universe stuff to tie up. Oh, you're working on Masters of the Universe? I had no the idea. Last, wow. The last... Uh, I had no idea you were even involved with Masters of the Universe. That's it's crazy. A, it's a... It's a program that mm. was on back in the day. Yeah, We're doing the Mattel vaguely and remember. Netflix doing a new I version. Vaguely remember. I can, I'll catch you up on it and stuff. We should get you involved. You've done voice work. The words of Greg Grumberg. What do you got for me? <laughs> 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 so there's some of that master shit to do. And then, um, which is that good shit? Oh, my God, bro. I mean. I saw the clip. If you haven't seen this, boys and girls, find the clip that Kevin put together with some old visual footage that from be, the that's some clever fucker on oh really i thought it was you i don't even know how they got the audio but there's a video there's a video that then mattel internally put together of like a hype sizzle reel of like us recording and like you know fucking people talking and the and like the us revealing the you know at PowerCon and stuff and in that they had mark hamill and lena heady or heady depending on who you talk to? No, um, Heady. I isn't it Heady? I always thought it was Hetty. But what do I know? Um, it's Hetty, Hetty Lamar. <laughs> what are you curious about? You can sue her. Lena, who in very cool, like literally. I don't mean oh, what a cool chick. Like cool chick. Yeah. Like got tats. Like instantly, she's a badass. Yes. Yeah. Like made me feel, you know. Yeah. Most times I I don't feel necessarily like I'm the coolest guy in the room, but I feel like I'm pretty damn cool. And mm-hmm. then I met her and she is like and I'm, I don't want this to sound like fucking fanboyish, but I'm just like she was so cool that I felt very like oh my god, if she's the Fonz by default, I must be Richie or maybe even Potsy <laughs> in happy days in the happy days scale. I've heard she has a very powerful presence. She's very walks into a room and you you get you I, hit that. I like her. Authentic yeah like real but like literally still sounds like cersei whenever she talks well, yeah <laughs> there's a reason um, she's so awesome so her and mark when they recorded you better be damn skippy they had cameras to do some behind the scenes stuff and then they interviewed the kids and stuff so for in that you know they had them performing on mic so somebody got that and i'm not saying it was a fucking scandal i don't know where they played this thing some mattel executive had played this behind the scenes video but then some fan grabbed the audio and then matched it up with old filmation like visuals visuals and it's adorable to look at but you actually legitimately hear some pieces of dialogue from the show i know you hear mark's voice coming out of skeletor it's awesome it's it's very very cool that's so funny i thought maybe you had thrown that together but one mine man oh they would have fired me wow i couldn't believe it existed i I was like this is real um but the scripts like i you know i got insanely lucky i put a wonderful fucking team together and and netflix as well introduced me to people and fucking um like eric carrasco dia tim uh mark bernard wrote script as well what a fucking, what a great round of stories. Emotional. Eric wrote script number 10, and it's hands down one of the best things I ever read in my life. It's a crazy, crazy emotional. For characters that, like, you just, 
it, it's it's so spellbinding. It not only does it stick the landing, it just makes you go like Eric should probably go back and rewrite all <laughs> the episodes. Um, but he's such a good writer, man. He like just what he does is like his superpower is he well he picks the right ones to write because in writing ten, not only do you get to write the finale, but you get to go back and read every other episode and pay off anything that hasn't been paid sure, off. Sure, you can cherry pick. Oh, he's so Genius. brilliant. He did that all through, you know, Supergirl. He's so, you know, comes from Supergirl world and stuff, but he's just so good at it. This, I'm telling you, he's going to be like Greg Berlanti in the future. He's so fucking talented. But he wrote a script for the end of the show that made me go like, I, can we need to watch it fucking now? It's so, so fucking fantastic. And now we're in the rounds of recording dialogue for those episodes. So awesome. now I get to hear that shit come to life as well. So the other day we had um, Stephen Root came in and did another round as Cringer. Sounds exactly as Cringer should sound, but with this incredibly heart-filled performance. He has one of the best monologues in the entire fucking show. How beautiful. It's so fantastic and watching these people like i put up the little video of d bradley baker and d came in to do we needed uh, a voice the that he does the right. savage voice but while he was there like colette who's our our director and she's fantastic she's been doing this for years man she's so great she's so wonderful um she was like oh d we need a baby as well because we needed a baby in one of the episodes She's like, can you give us a baby? And you can see it on my fucking, I put up the video on Twitter. He flawlessly goes from like, if you close your eyes, like the cooing of a baby to this fucking guttural, like straight out, like what you would have thought was a sound mixed version yeah. of like a fucking orc or an ogre or some right. fucking. It's like they went into the jungle and, and got actual audio of like a panther and a lion crossed with a hippo and then mixed them all together. Spellbind. He's a superhero. He yeah. is. I mean, he's done so much. Yeah. And he was so fucking sweet to come in and, and to, like literally fucking growl for us. It was so quality. But even, even like the performance on just the growl levels are through the fucking roof. Like watching people come in and perform. Cree Summer came in. And she had to, you know, I don't want to give out a lot, a lot, but she had to, at one point, make up a language. Mm. So that was, like, super fun on top. But she came dressed like she had this red jacket and she had this hat on, which I was like, man, she kind of looks like, it's funny, she looks like a Mountie. Then she turned around and across the back of the jacket said Canada. And I was like, oh, my God, it's intentional. <laughs> and I was like, why Canada? And she's like, I'm from there and stuff. And I was like, that's a different world because that's where she's from. But she grew up in the Canadian like TV biz and stuff. She grew up like really interestingly. But then when she got to Toronto, she's in the biz. And then like when she got to a different world, they were like, you know, where are you? I'm sorry. Like she was like in Canada. I was like well known. And when I got oh, to wow. a different world, they were like, who, who are you? And she's like, and after the first season of that show, then that completely changed. She was a breakout. Yeah. But another person who's just like so incredibly gifted man like you are in voiceover world you do it on family guy mm -hmm. where else have you done it oh um geez a ton of other stuff bunch of uh games uh, video games and commercials and stuff and everything it's yeah. fucking it's so magical to watch somebody step up to the mic and like fucking 
become somebody else. It's the best gig in the world. Because you my don't favorite see it as much do. on like on a movie. Like you know, people are. No one can surprise you in live action. No. When some of the guy gets on set, you've seen him, you've auditioned him three times, a bunch of people have approved him. Seen him in other movies. You know what he's capable of delivering, and he's going to deliver him or her's performance because that's why you hired them to get their essence. But a voice actor can be anybody at any given moment and surprise the hell out of you because they're largely left to their own devices. They'll say to you, uh, you know, when you walk in a room, they go, this is an idea we have, but let's hear what you have, and if you're any good at it you've got a, an idea in your head and then you deliver it and it's and it surprises people it's also too in terms of like if you've got to get to a performance way easier and way you know like think about it when you're doing a take on a movie let's say if you're lucky the take is like two minutes and let's say like you know fucking ralph does a take and then i'm like you know all right cut all right so let's you know what try it like this Ralph does it again. I'm like, let's, you know what? Let's try it like this. Like, I'm not getting the performance that I'm looking for. If we go 10 takes, that's like wearing on the performer. Cause like, not only is the performer like, what am I fucking not doing that I'm, that he's looking for? But then it's the performer going like all these fucking people. There's the embarrassment factor and shit like that. You can sit at a stand at a microphone and do a line a hundred times. And, you know, in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's it. It's like it's not there's no reset. There's no checking the gate. There's no moving lights. There's no touch ups. And the ego doesn't even fly out. Like nobody's ever like, what are you looking for? It's just you can just get there. You can go there and stuff. And when you're recording people for the first time, you have to sometimes find the voice of the character. Like Mm -hmm. not everyone's lucky enough to be playing just a human. Like some people are like, like, you know. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, the great, amazing Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, who has played like the Joker. He's done fucking Disney stuff. Like he's done everything. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, he was in Clerks with us, the cartoon way back in the day. You Kevin's know, a regular on Family Guy too. I see he's a Family Guy guy. Yeah. guy. He, um, you know, it, we finding Beast Man was. It, it took like a minute and I don't mean like, fuck, it took us like an hour. Like it just took a second. Cause he, of course, like comes in with a strong idea where you're like, of course that absolutely sounds like beast man. But in this scene, like beast man, isn't as much beast man. He's actually like, he's Iago. So let's come at it through that. And then you get that amazing voice, like giving you a fucking heartbreaking performance. Yeah. Um, with a, so great, you can almost see it, like what it's going to fucking look like. Oh, it's magic. It's been fun for me. Just as like, as a guy who likes watching actors and actresses act, like being in that process and stuff, watching Colette pull things out of people. And she's such a great director. She's amazing. Like, I worked she, with her on uh, Bat, Lego Batman Family Matters, the director video thing. And I mm-hmm. played the wizard Shazam in that. And she directed that. And... Working with Colette, I was equated to, um, you remember the old school radios where you had a dial and you were trying to tune in a station, right? And you can hear it. You can hear the song, but it's not clear yet. And so you go a little bit to the right. Well, that didn't work. Let's go back a little bit to the left. And then you hit that sweet spot where the static disappears and it comes through fully. And you're like, ah. And she's a master of turning that dial and getting you right where you need to be. I've watched her coax amazing things out of people and stuff same way like not pulling teeth at all and also like she's in the world of voiceover so she thinks of shit that you never 
fucking think about. So yeah. simple, like, you know, give me a punch in the face where you're like, oh, yeah, because that's going to sound very specific to that actor. So mm-hmm. you can't just go grab like, you know, you want them while they're there in front of the mic to give you a few li- a library full of like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, by yeah. the power, you know, shit for it. So it's it's been wonderful to like watch her work like holy shit like look at like you could literally fucking get like you said just dial it into yeah fine tuning fine tuned perfection man yeah it's been a fun process to watch so we've got only a few more records and then all that aspect of it is finished powerhouse the animation folks they're the folks that did they do seis manos on on netflix and of course they do castlevania Mm -hmm. Um, they just finished their first animatic and it looks wonderful um, so we're, we're in pretty good shape, but like, yeah, nobody's going to see this shit for like till 2021. I remember being a power con and being like, we'll see you all in fucking 2020. And then Rob David mm-hmm. Mattel pulled me aside. He goes, no, you won't. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, like probably 2021. I'm like, why? I said, well, we just, we were almost done writing the whole first half. He's like, somebody's got to draw all this stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. That's the only thing. It is a painstaking process to get to the final product. That's the, that's the only and by the way, with animation, we Unless live in a world where Trey it's Matt. so more, so much more streamlined oh, than yeah. it was even for the fucking Hanna Barbera folks. I yeah. mean, look, Trey and Matt have the best like streamline, so much so that they could, you know, fucking switch horses midstream, hours before it goes before up. it goes up. That's brilliant. Uh, that, but you know, in a world where you're trying to do something that looks like anime like you know that has a specific look to it it's yeah. like you don't get to do quick turns like that so and even Hanna Barbera had a warehouse full of people working full time on their stuff who could deliver at the time you know this now it's outsourced you got to go to another company it's a whole another team there's international you know elements to yeah, it there's so. like what gets done here what gets done there yeah so um but when people say it oh I honestly feel they'll love it even if you didn't love He-Man and stuff um, even if you were like, I never watched that show. It is such a fucking sword and sorcery soap opera, bro. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to say we're as good as fucking Game of Thrones, but it's shoulder to shoulder with Game of Thrones. Not even shoulder to shoulder. We're, you know, fucking their Game of Thrones. They're wonderful. But You're, hang- you're hanging on their belt. Yeah, we're yeah. fucking definitely hanging on their belt. Like yeah. Teddy, who's our exec at Netflix, who is only as good because he was the world's biggest fan. Like Motu was his passion, is mm-hmm. his fucking... He's like, look, I love Star Wars, I love Batman, but Motu is my first. So this stuff matters to me. And his direction was like, when I was a kid, I watched every one of these episodes and they all had stakes to me because I honestly thought each day Skeletor might just fucking win and what would happen and Mm -hmm. stuff. He's like, all I ask is that you treat this stuff as seriously as I thought it was when I was growing up. And so treat it like Shakespeare. He's like, that's always been my dream as I grew up. Like imagine if somebody took all these great characters and treated it seriously. They weren't just doing tumble salts and giving you moral lessons at the end. Right. Like it's a rich tapestry. There's stories to be told here. So he wasn't just like, I want to see the fighty fighty. I want to see them clash swords. Like Teddy was just like, this is where you get to go deep into the fact that Marlena, Queen Marlena is from earth and stuff like that. Like, he was deep cut. Mm. So having a guy with his hand on the rudder or even the guy that started the whole fucking thing, like we're all on his train and stuff, be so passionate about the subject matter. Like the dream come true. Just such a great job, man. And he like elevated the whole fucking thing throughout the process. But um, 
I forget even why I brought him up in the first place, but he, he, uh, he was the one too that was just like, well, 2021 is probably when everyone will see it. Yeah. But, that's the hardest part is the waiting. It, but we now, yeah, to share it with everybody else. Yeah. Like internally, we all know where it goes and like we all know how the story goes. And then there are levels of satisfaction where it's like, oh my God, we all love the scripts. But next is like, oh my God, we'll get to all love the animation. And like we've all loved the voiceover and like, it's it's come together very nicely. I've been spoiled. Uh, like it'll be tough to have another job after this. Like because this was a job. This is working for other people. Right? Mm-hmm. We're playing with their toys, but it never felt like a job. It was always fun. It was always a pleasure. Like Rob was great, fucking, and has been great. Still is. Um, Teddy's great and stuff. Melanie's great. Everyone I've worked with is great. Colette's been wonderful. Like it's if hopefully they like we'll do a season two because then I know ooh we'll get to replicate this. But I never think, I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate these exact circumstances across the board. Right. Like, we've got somebody cheerleading the fucking show who was seriously invested. Like, the same way we watched Batman when we were kids, going like, Robin's going to be eaten by that fucking crab, like, clam, stop this. Like, that was how he watched He-Man. So when I went into it, I was like, oh, great. I know exactly how to do this math because I grew up fucking thinking Batman was, like, in trouble. Yeah. And then I got Batman in trouble. I got the Batman that I thought I was getting when I was a kid. Other people did that interpretation. Mm -hmm. I just have to do that for this. And I really feel like we knocked it out the park. Like, it is... I'm not saying it's fucking Shakespeare as a cartoon, but, like, we treated this shit as seriously as people treat... Shakespeare. Well, that's the perfect way to do a reboot or remake or a continuation of a story if you're going to do that is to take the universe that's provided to you and then hopefully take it to another level. Mm-hmm. You know, so often it's just sort of a literal remake where they just take all the stuff that worked from the first thing and then just regurgitate it with different people involved or something. But if you can elevate it and make it something not necessarily more because the original still has its charm and its quality, but just different and, and expand upon it, then that's the best kind of uh, experience with that. You know? And ours is just like, it doesn't, ours is just sequel to original. Right. It's like, we just present like, here's the next story. And you know, you know, maybe the writing's a little, a little more grown up than it was back in the day. And Hey, the voices are a little different, but mm-hmm. like this is that world that you remember. It's not like, this ain't your grandpappy's fucking Eternos. It's like, no, it's, it is your grandpappy's Eternos. But we're going to tell you a story that you're going to sit there and watch it with your grandpappy and be like, this is fucking dope, man. And your grandpappy may be like, look, it wasn't this dope when I was a kid. (laughs) Because I remember I went back, you know, when, I forget where it was, I guess when they fucking digitized Super Friends and put it up on iTunes and shit. I was like, oh, yeah, son. Every episode. <laughs> I know it was on DVD. I bought all the box sets. I was uh, like, fuck, yeah. I went and spin those, and I'm like, oh, man. It ain't like Batman the Animated Series where you can watch that then, now, forever, and it'll always play. Right. You know, some of that shit. Some stuff is uh, permanently dated. attached to your childhood. Oh, truly, in yes. such a way where you're like, Ugh. um, This hopefully won't. Do that. This, this. No, that's what I meant. You, you, you move it to another level. So it, there's another level of appreciation. Be awesome if you were. Well, Ralph is involved in it. We're just not going to tell you what he did. <laughs> not for a while. Um, is that all the news? That's it, son. There's no fucking news. There's man. no news. Just uh, us. We're the news. That's it. We're, What's going we're, on in our lives? This is. Uh, we're entertainers. Yeah. So we can. That's good news. We don't like. Unlike 
and ESPN and shit. We're not like, if they don't play sports, who the fuck are we? We could just sit around and talk about- Talk about our lives. was a swinger, and when I made clerks. Like, we got memories, son. (laughs) Going through a divorce, I can give you an hour and a half on that. Jesus, we could do therapy (laughs) as a show, Therapy Babylon. (laughs) Um, It is, uh, we'll we'll be fine, and we'll give you some shit to listen to, man. Yeah, Um, Let's do it again next week. We might as well, my God. meet up if you're around? We might as well feed this beast. Everyone's sitting around and- well, let's let's wait and see. The yeah, hashtag might be like live show or nothing. Guys, take a rest. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you when you're back in front of an audience. Babble off, Corona style. Where's Pacino? <laughs> um, but yes, barring that, we'll be back next week because we got some time on our hands. Indeed, we do. Holy shit! You got a bag full of weed. Welcome to the new normal, folks. I'm gonna have to eat e- e- uh, you. Uh, what's it called? Uber over next time. I'll bring a bottle. <laughs> you, you eBay for a ride. It's going to take a long fucking time, man. It's, some of those start. auctions go like a week. I have Ralph. to bid on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get the ride delivered. And I'm just like, I want him to stay, so I'm outbidding you. <laughs> I'm sniping you and shit. Oh, how much <laughs> I got to pay for this? I'm still stuck here. It's like you could have walked home, but... <laughs> Uh, there it is, man. Fucking, uh, I can't even, uh, direct you to tickets to buy because there's no shows. No Go shows. to see Smod and remember. Yes. Good times when there used to be full of fucking dates and stuff like that. Um, in the meantime, wash your hands. Wash your the, goddamn hands, that's people. That's what we're here to say. Wash your hands. And we'll be back next week, man. Uh, that's Hollywood Babylon for this. Am I right? Is that yeah, right? that's how it goes. Well, first I go like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have, you a, have good a good time? time, and they go, wow. see, this is how fucking it's how Whoopi felt. That's exactly <laughs> you know, WWE. They through. they didn't do this. They didn't stumble <laughs> over the fact that there wasn't an audience. So they are pros. Um, do you have a good time tonight? This evening, I can't thank you enough for coming out. Give it, a, give it a, you do. I go. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming out, but there is no show without the man to my left. Give it up for uh, Mr. Ralph Fucking Garment. You almost forgot the name. Yes, that one too. And of course, please give your love to my Bible brother, Mr. Kevin Smith. And that is Hollywood Babylon for this week. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. Babble the fuck off. Good night, Hollywood. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.